Thanks for tuning into Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe, and this week's episode features Laura Jones, the Global Head of Product Marketing at Uber, where we discuss growing your dream product marketing career. Laura is a dynamic product marketing leader whose superpower is design thinking. We discuss how to position yourself for the right opportunities, create a case for yourself and your business, and how to enable a trajectory of steep growth. Laura also speaks to what it was like to switch roles while visibly pregnant. I'm excited for you to join in the conversation and learn how to maintain a hunger for new opportunities. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. Please subscribe, share with someone you think will love it, and give us a rating or a review while you're at it. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, How do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day. Learn more at clue.com slash Mary. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe, and I'm really excited about our guest today, Laura Jones, who is the Global Head of Product Marketing for Uber. Her rise at Uber is incredibly impressive as she started as a Senior Product Marketing Manager and is now running the Global Product Marketing team. Her PMM superpower is design thinking, and I am so happy to have her here today. Welcome, Laura. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course. And I wanted to start off with understanding what's one thing that you've learned lately? So with COVID and work from home, one thing that I have learned is how to take the kind of design sprint uh, mentality, the design sprint process and translate that for the virtual world. So normally when we're collaborating with our cross-functional product team or the rest of our marketing team, for a jam or to uh, start an ideation process, we will have a room full of post-its and whiteboards and everyone will unplug all of their tech and we'll really spend, you know, time together focused and collaborating kind of IRL. And unfortunately with work from home, all of those collaboration techniques had to be adapted. And so I have had a lot of fun exploring tools like Miro, um, some of the the Google tools, um, hacking Google Slides to make a virtual whiteboard and really figuring out ways to keep people engaged and get the benefit of that kind of visual ideation process and that kind of collaborative spirit and fun, even when it's over Zoom after a long day of other Zooms. That's so awesome. And I know we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's really cool to hear that you're evolving that process and making it applicable for the virtual world. I think we all need things like that in our lives right now. That's great. And can you tell us a little bit about your role today? Yeah. So I lead product marketing for Uber and that spans all of our lines of business. So of course, rides, 
Eats, all of the new delivery verticals within Eats, including grocery and pharmacy and some of the things that are um, up and coming and very exciting, as well as our freight business and then other other bets like our support of mobility, including transit, bikes, etc. So a, a very exciting portfolio of products that spans B to C, B to B, a bit of B to G in there and has really evolved kind of organically over time to span the entirety of our work. That's so amazing. And actually, I need to do some more research. Some of those business units were ones that I didn't know Uber had. So I'm learning something already. This is awesome. (laughs) And you have had really kind of the dream career path, some would say, at a rocket ship company like Uber. Can you tell us about when you started off as a senior PMM and how you kind of rose the ranks and now are leading the team? I'd love to hear the journey. Yeah. So when I joined Uber, I was one of the first PMMs that that joined the company. And really there was no formal marketing or PMM wasn't a function. I had joined to work with one of my product partners from Google who had previously been my product director in, in my last role. And he called me up and said, I think I need you to come and build a product marketing team or do some product marketing for me. And so it evolved really organically. I joined the team and started to think about what were the things in past product marketing roles that were really foundational that I really wanted to recreate and what were the things I wanted to evolve and kind of make my own. And so I started calling meetings of myself and the other like two product marketers that, that existed at the company. And we started to develop a charter for what this function would be and how we would partner with all the other functions um, in product and marketing and other parts of the org. And I started to hire uh, and build a team. Uh, And over time, uh, at the time I was working on a collection of products that were specific to this product leader. And over time I would have other product leaders come to me and say, hey, why doesn't the writer team have product marketers? Can you help me maybe hire one? Can you be on a panel? can you manage this person? Uh, Then the driver team came along and said the same thing. And eventually over time, one by one, different product leaders sought myself and my team out to extend our support and our partnership to cover their areas. And then through a series of reorgs over the past few years, the remainder of the organizations that were not um, part of my team came over. And so now we are one big happy family of product marketers. And it's really been, I think, a wonderful evolution to have us all together in the same org because we really all are passionate about product marketing as a function and as a career path. And we learn so much from one another, especially when I think about rides and eats to two distinct lines of business, but so many similar challenges. A lot of the things that eats has been going through as that business has grown are things we'd already tackled on rides. And so we were able to really take learnings. And on the flip side, eats has had some incredible innovations and growth tactics that we're now able to, to bring back for rides as well. And what an incredible story that highlights not just the value of you as a person leading all of these different teams, but also the value of product marketing. It's kind of like that, you know, show don't tell, you have to prove it out. I've seen that at other companies too, but that's really cool that they actually came to you one by one and were thinking, hey, I need something like this. Why don't we have this kind of support? So sometimes you have to go in and actually prove that it works. And that's really awesome to hear that. You mentioned recently in a ShareBird Ask Me Anything that 
career growth. So let's say from an individual contributor role to a management role, as an example, in your case, often comes from finding the right opportunity. For listeners of ours that are out there, what kinds of advice would you give about actually positioning yourself to get in that opportune moment? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think career development and growth comes through a confluence of kind of both personal learning and development and, and also opportunity and business need. And so whether you are looking to advance your career within your current company, within your current role, or whether you're looking externally, you're going to really need to, to think about these two dimensions. So first, from a readiness standpoint, have I mastered the competencies for that next level? Do I have the skills to to perform at this next level? And, and if not, what can I do to invest in those? How can I ask for help investing in those, right? Because you're not going to get there alone. You're going to need to think about how you can continue to strengthen and grow really at every single level along the way. And so first is that kind of looking inwards and, and what do I need to do to develop into this, um, into this leadership role? What skills do I need to build? And then the second is where am I going to have that opportunity? And, and so when I think about people joining my team, um, I always really want to make sure that we can together articulate what it would look like for them to have that growth and um, looking at, at the business that they're working on and really framing it as the, the opportunity comes when the business itself grows. So if you're hired as an IC and you want to become a manager, the single best way to do that in my world on my team is to drive the growth of the business. And again, when I think about my own story and the story of so many people on my team and their journey from IC to, to manager, to leader of an organization comes with just the growth of the business. And so if, if you're working on something that is dynamic and has that potential to grow, if you can prove out to your point, Mary, around like proving value, if you can prove out, Hey, here's all the value that I add. And here's all the other things I could do if I had more capacity. And here's what's being left on the table with me being an IC and then start to build that business case for, Hey, if you can add resource to me, I can produce a lot more. And um, that is the, the kind of second piece of the equation, which is um, proving out that business need for growth for the team to expand, for your scope to expand. And then again, I, I always encourage people to first look at the opportunities within your own company, because sometimes I think people don't appreciate the, the incredible value of the credibility that you will have built over time with your product partners, with the business leaders. And so if you can find that opportunity internally, either on your own project or on another adjacent project, um, that's going to be usually the, the fastest and, and best path because you can leverage all the strength of your experience. And, and if you don't see that internally, talk to your manager, really get a sense, like, are you, are you seeing the full picture? And if not, and you do look externally, then again, I look for that rocket ship, find a company that you believe in, that you love the product of, and that you can see a really strong growth trajectory. And regardless of what level or what title you have when you join, if you can do a great job for the business and the business is going to grow, that is a recipe for success. I love what a pragmatic approach that is too. You know, it's master the domain of product marketing, look out there and create that business case for yourself. As product marketers, we're often creating the business case for the products that we market, but this is actually product marketing yourself, showing the money that's left on the table by not having you in that role. I've, I've never actually heard it explained like that. I really love that. That's awesome. I also wanted to ask you, you know, since you did get so much responsibility so quickly, was there ever a time that you thought, 
wow, I am a little bit over my head here. And how did you handle that? If so, that is something I think it's very natural for all of us to feel. And I have felt that to be honest on almost a daily basis throughout my five and a half years at Uber. And I love it because it means that there's so headroom for me. If every day I wake up and I have to do something that I've never done before, whether that's a big team move where we've got to bring on a whole new group of people to join the team or pitching our 2021 plan to Dara and the ELT, whatever the task is ahead. And if it's something I haven't done before, or feel a little scared of doing, that's incredible because it means that I am continuing to grow and continuing to stretch. And I think that if you aren't feeling that way, um, you've got to ask yourself, am I just almost like too comfortable in my current role? Am I actually pushing myself enough? Now it's important to to have confidence, right? Like you you don't want that to be crippling imposter syndrome. You want that to be a, a motivational kind of spark that, hey, I feel challenged. I may not feel 100% confident that I can nail this, but I know that I have this within me and I need to put in the work to do a great job. And that I think is what keeps you fresh, keep you on your toes and and keeps you on that trajectory of of steep growth. That's so important. So it's always exciting. (laughs) If you're not feeling like that, what are you doing? Why aren't you in a place where you're excited and learning every day? I think that's such a great way to flip, flip the narrative and, and really be excited about what you do. That's fantastic. And in addition to your role at Uber, you also do a lot of startup advising. What's that like? Yeah, it's something that because I have been at Uber for a long time, at least in tech world, uh, five and a half years is is a lot. So I did want to, you know, as I said, kind of continue to stretch and grow and learn and make sure that I am continuing to stay on top of industry trends and make sure that my own skills and knowledge are as sharp as they can be. So I have partnered with um, two startups right now that I'm really excited about. I'm working with the CEOs and advising them on their marketing strategy, how to build out a marketing team. And again, I've learned so much from them. One of them is in the social screen sharing space. And it was really through my advising role there that I learned the full power and joy of TikTok. Um, It was something that I hadn't I'm not in the, I think, core demographic for TikTok, shall we say, but it was interesting to get to learn so much about it. The, the marketer there had actually come from TikTok and TikTok was a major growth channel for them. And she really like opened my eyes to what an amazing marketing channel and frankly, just what an amazing product it is. And now I have a five-year-old and last night we were making TikTok videos in front of the Christmas tree. And it was just this moment of of going back to that first question of what is something I have learned? Like I learned TikTok this year, thanks to my wonderful uh, team at Squad. And those are the moments when it really makes me grateful that we're supportive of of that advising relationship, because it does um, really bring a lot that I can bring back to Uber and, and teach my team as well. That's so fun. Yeah. TikTok is amazing. I'm a little bit shy about it because the first time I logged in, I spent about four hours watching all of these different videos. So I'm a little scared to keep it on my phone actually, but I'm uh, bringing your child into it for these videos. That sounds awesome. And what a way to connect them with technology in a way that's really fun too. How would you say, since you're talking to these smaller companies and now you're at you know a bigger company, a public company, how would you say that those early stage companies really differ from the, the bigger companies, maybe in terms of product marketing? Do they 
have product marketing at a certain stage? You know, is it within their first 20 employees and how are they different from the way that you're thinking about your product marketing role? Yeah, it's a good question. I think early on at a startup, the rules tend to be a lot more amorphous and they kind of stretch or contract to fill the needs of that moment. And so I think you a lot of what marketers in early stage startups are doing is product marketing. And, and especially if you know it's a CEO that really sees the, the strategic value of marketing, they're being brought in to help define the product itself, the value proposition, the positioning go to market. And then they're also wearing a ton of different hats, brand hats, growth hats, sometimes PR hats. And so it, it's fun to see um, how kind of flexible the folks that are working in, in early stage companies um, have to be. I think as, as a company scales, and I've certainly seen this at Uber and been a part of this, there tends to be more differentiation between the functions and you have to codify the competencies and the R&R and really make sure that um, each team kind of knows what their responsibilities are and how to interface with teams around them. So it's, it's really this, you know, moving from that kind of early stage, kind of somewhat chaotic, somewhat fluid startup environment to now a much more skilled company. Um, you, you do see process structure and kind of role definition coming into play. Now, I think the key thing is just not losing some of the benefits of of that fluidity that comes in early stages. So even if you're at a large company as a product marketer, I think it's so important to be curious about brand, about growth, to continue to learn um, across disciplines so that you can make sure that as you do develop in your career, that you have um, the ability to eventually take on a leadership role that, that can span all functions. That's such a great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Now we'll pause for a quick word from our partners at Clue. Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketer's platform for handling all things competitive. Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement. For any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales teams will love, head on over to clue.com slash Mary. And let's switch gears a little bit because I do want to talk about your superpower design thinking and the listeners can't see you on the screen like I can, but you have a whole shelf of books behind you dedicated to design thinking. So I know that you're an expert in this just from that, (laughs) but I wanted to understand a little bit more about how it's changed your approach to product marketing and Maybe even talk about some of the frameworks in which you use design thinking for your team. Yeah. So design thinking is actually what brought me to product marketing as opposed to the other way around. I learned about design thinking uh, way, way back uh, when I was at the Stanford Business School. And I spent basically all of my time there at the D School, um, which is kind of it sounded by David Kelly, one of the places where design thinking really was invented, if you will. And that framework of user-centered design, human-centered design just resonated so deeply with me on a personal level. 
that I set out to have a career that enabled me to practice it. And what that turned out to be was product marketing. Um, and that's how I found myself in this field was really wanting to practice customer-centric design and, and really leverage both the product insights as well as kind of the storytelling practice as, as the core part of my profession. Um, and so when I started to think about the, the foundational ideology for product marketing at Uber, design thinking was always going to be at the core of it because again, to me, that is our job. Our job is to be human-centered designers and to help people um, help companies build human-centered products and help people discover and use those products and get benefit and delight out of them. And so I use the classic double diamond framework. I, my big innovation there has been actually adding a third diamond. Um, but the way I think about it is if the first one is about user insights and kind of product definition, and um, the next one is about kind of go-to-market and kind of product refinement, getting ready for a big launch moment. But the third diamond that I've added to that framework is really around growth. And the idea that your job doesn't stop when you launch a product, that's actually the time in some ways of the most learning when you have an MVP offering out there. And looking at what makes that product grow, whether those are product touch points, whether those are marketing touch points. And frankly, if it's not growing, looking at what you might need to do to uh, improve either the product or the marketing is a huge area of learning. So for me, it, it's really foundational to our work um, at any given moment, a product marketer might be anywhere in that kind of product development life cycle. And so some people may be working on that early phase, insights, market sizing, qual and quantitative research around positioning. Um, they may be in like launch plan mode and they're kind of in the middle. They're working on iterations to the product experience. They're working on a channel plan, getting the creative ready for launch, or they might be in that final phase of kind of growth hacking and eventually kind of scaling through a global playbook. And um, so that is kind of the framework that I think about. And it's hard in a purely audio format, you might be like, what are these diamonds? What are you talking about? I would highly recommend uh, the book Sprint by Jake Knapp or um, anything really by David Kelly. He's written a number of books. David and Tom Kelly have co-authored a number of books um, on design thinking. And those are great resources as a product marketer to learn about that practice and think about how you can tactically use it in your day-to-day -day work, whether that's through a time-bound design sprint, like the one in Jake Knapp's book, or actually just taking the theory and the kind of philosophy of user centricity and bringing that to whatever task you're doing. That's so great. And I love your third diamond edition. I think you should trademark that and we'll wait for Laura Jones's Perfect. third di three diamond approach. That sounds great. And I, I mean, I think so many people do think about the launch moment as the end of your work. <laughs> Job well done, you know, pat on the back, pop the champagne, we are, we are done here. But that is, like you said, really when a lot of the work begins and the growth begins. So I think that is so awesome. And I'll definitely check out some of those resources. Thanks for sharing that. Have you found that with this approach of design thinking, has that helped you to get closer to the product management development process? Can you talk a little bit about how that might intersect? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I definitely feel like one of the most important relationships, obviously, for any of them is the relationship with your PM. And um, I love 
design thinking as a tool that you can use to build that kind of collaboration trust between the two functions because design thinking, it always starts with the user. And that is something that any PM worth, worth her or his salt um, will agree with. Let's start with the user. Let's understand the user needs, right? So right off the bat, you've got a great conversation going. If you're like, hey, let's have a jam and let's start it off with some user insights. Um, so bringing in that user context and ideally also the business context, right? And so understanding who are you designing for kind of attitudinally and from a human standpoint and as well, like how do they show up and as a segment and what is the kind of monetary opportunity for whatever your business is attached to this user group, that's going to get the attention of, of a great cross-functional team, uh, cross-functional product team. From there, I love that the design thinking is inherently a collaborative and iterative process because I've had a lot of success partnering with not only PM, but also product designers, data scientists, even engineers to engage in design sprints and really go through a process of unpacking a problem together, deeply understanding it. And then that kind of generative jam phase is so wonderful because it enables you to be an equal partner in the product development ideation process and really surfacing things that, that could go on the roadmap. And if you're able to engage in those kinds of generative processes, you can bring a group to to really see the value of different ideas that you might have in a way that is highly collaborative and typically will build that buy-in, right? So that if you have something you really want to get on the roadmap and you've surfaced it in this really structured process and everyone can see the connection between the user insight and the business opportunity to this idea, and they've been on that journey, they're going to be a lot more likely to be supportive of that idea versus just showing up out of the blue and knocking on the, the cubicle wall of your PM and saying, oh, I have this random idea. Like They're going to be much more receptive if they've seen the entire process and been a part of it. And ideally, I feel like it's an idea that not just belongs to you, but belongs to the cross-functional product team together, of which you're a part. And that's where I've personally had, and my team has had a lot of success actually getting things um, onto the roadmap and advocating for pieces of tech that we really want to see come to life as part of the user experience. That's so great. I think that a lot of product marketers, especially just starting out, struggle with the relationship with the product manager. As you mentioned, it's so important. And you know, really the key to building that relationship is adding value. And this gives you a framework and a really kind of tried and true way to add value, to bring them along in the process and to have this collaboration that they might be leaving you out of if you don't bring this to the table. So that is a really, really great way of thinking about the world. Thanks so much for sharing that. Now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, since this is for women in product marketing, as a woman in a predominantly male field, what do you think has been different for you and how have you overcome this? One thing that has been different has been the experience of becoming a parent. So I joined Uber from Google when I was five months pregnant. And I think to this day, it remains the craziest thing I've ever done. Cause I had this kind of dream set up working from the San Francisco Google office and I live in San Francisco. So I'd eliminated the commute and I was like, I have optimized my life. I am pregnant. I'm going to have this baby and reap all the wonderful rewards of kind of maternity leave at Google. And then I got this call from, from my my product director uh, who had moved over to Uber and he was like, I want you to come build this team. And I was like, oh, 
no, I have to leave this warm, fuzzy nest and, and go embrace chaos. And, and it was a tough decision to make and, and much, much tougher being pregnant. But ultimately, I decided to take the jump and kind of waddled into to Uber, five months pregnant, visibly pregnant. And at the time, this was 2015, I think I was probably one of the first women to have a baby at Uber, certainly not the first, but but among the, the early ones. And probably, I actually think I probably was the first that had ever been hired visibly pregnant or, or, or very early in that crew. So that was definitely a challenge um, to establish that credibility and build trust with this kind of like ticking time mom sitting in front of me. I feel like people would be like eyeing my belly being like, how much longer do we have with you? You know, what I learned from that, actually one funny story, one of my partners early on in Uber was like, that, you better not have this baby before we have this launch. And I, it was just hilarious because he was super young and like had no idea. And I was just like, this is, it was just a kind of hilarious moment. But what was great about it is that it forced me to invest in my team right out of the gate. I mean, I was interviewing people my first week, my second week, I was lucky enough to hire one of my most favorite and trusted colleagues from a previous role to join me. And I credit that early team and her really um, with a lot of what we were able to accomplish because by building a great team and making sure we were all incredibly aligned and super passionate about the mission and the vision and kind of equipping everyone, it really created this kind of inherent scalability in the org because each person was prepared to be the sole representative of their function, especially as you get down to the kind of um, area level or the cross-functional product team, that person is the representative of, of PMM. And, and so each person really had that mantle of responsibility of like, I am the representative of the function. And I just, I'm so appreciative that both in that first um, pregnancy, and then I had my second child at Uber as well, that my team uh, was able to continue to step up and really hold a high bar and continue to maintain a really sterling reputation organizationally for the team. And so I think that as, as a manager and a leader, it's actually a gift to have to plan for these things and think about like, how do I um, build an org that's so strong that even if I'm not at the helm of it, it can still function and do, do the best possible work. Well, it's so badass of you, if you don't mind me saying that you took that risk. I also used to work at Google and I know how warm and fuzzy their maternity leave is. So leaving that while pregnant, that just must have seemed totally crazy to everyone involved, but it seemed to have certainly paid off. So I'm very happy for you that you ended up doing that. And frankly, I mean, one maybe silver lining of COVID and everything being virtual is that women don't really have to worry about that right now interviewing and actually being on teams. It's one thing I've kind of noticed. I've, I have a few coworkers I've been working with for the last few months and I had no idea that they were pregnant <laughs> until they're about to go on a maternity leave. And it's something that weighs on all of us about, you know, when to tell people, when do you move jobs and all of that. But I think it's great outside of COVID times, you were able to see beyond that, pick the right company see the long-term vision and they were able to see that with you too, which is yeah. really important. And then you built that amazing foundation. So you immediately added value and then felt comfortable to go and have the maternity leave that you deserve. So what a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And now we'll move a little bit just into some rapid fire questions just to get some last of your amazing knowledge here. So who are some of your mentors? 
Yeah. I mean, I feel so lucky to have worked with such incredible people throughout the course of my career from Antonio Lucio, who was my leader when I was at Visa and has since had such an amazing career. Rebecca Messina, who had been my boss at Uber, Thomas Renice, who's my current boss at Uber, and just this incredible cast of characters that bring such a wealth and diversity of experience. And I just feel incredibly lucky that they have all um, invested in me and continue to be a source of support. And similarly on the product side, I've had incredible product leaders that I stay in touch with and they continue to give me excellent advice and surface even advising opportunities and really are people that I feel are lifelong investors in my career. Um, And then I think on the flip side, I really try to pay that forward as well and make sure that I'm serving as a mentor, not only to my advising portfolio, but as well, people that have previously worked for me, I often will stay in close touch and offer um, to serve as a mentor for them and always really just feel that that is one of the single most important things um, that each of us can do for one another. And especially as women, I think having a cheerleader in your camp, having someone that's going to advocate for you and help you you know, feel confident to negotiate for what you need or um, be the person that when you get that call from someone saying, hey, I'm pregnant and I'm thinking of leaving my career or my, my current role and going to something else, like those are the conversations that um, really help change someone's life. And so many people have done that for me. And I hope to continue to be able to do that for others, to give them that confidence to, to be bold and be ambitious and, and really not settle for, for anything less than your full dream. That's so awesome. And I love that you pay it forward too. I think that's so important. How would you recommend to others that are listening for them to start to think about finding a mentor of their own? Typically thinking about who are the people that organically have evolved into that role? Who are the people that advocate for you and look out for you and you know, not, not being afraid to thank them for that and ask them for that continued support. So I think it's really about looking around you at the people that are supporting you, whether it's quite obvious or whether it's something you've got to kind of search for the subtlety around. And then on the flip side, if there's someone you really admire that you may not know, don't hesitate to reach out. I mean, I think that so often we worry that, you know, gee, will this person have time for me? I think in many cases, you know, people realize that they have benefited from those kinds of relationships themselves and are often quite flattered and grateful that you even consider them to be someone of an aspirational quality and will often be more helpful than you might imagine. So I'd say like, don't be shy about asking for help, whether it's from people that um, you already have a relationship with or, or ones that you aspire to emulate. That's such great advice. And similarly, relatedly, how do you network? How do you find people to network with, especially during these virtual times that we're in? Oh, yeah. I I think there's there's a lot of great emerging communities around product marketing. I think you mentioned ShareBird. I mean, I have such respect for Alex. I think that's even how how we've been connected here. I guess this is part of that that broader forum. I think that community is incredible. There's um, obviously as well and the kind of like PMM world, or I, I may be watching the, the word product here. marketing alliance. Yes. Yeah. PMA. yeah. It's like, there's, I, I, it's funny because I've been in the field now a long time <laughs> and we really never had as product marketers, that sense of community until folks like Alex and others have, 
have actually gone out and built it. And I just have a ton of gratitude for that because I do think there's this like spiritual connection that we share around the field and the type of work. And so it's really fun to get to meet other folks. So I think, yeah, just going to those kinds of events, being open to conversations, even if they don't have a a clear purpose or objective. And, you know, especially during these COVID times, in some ways, like the transaction cost has been reduced. You don't have to like go to a physical meeting. All it takes is like clicking a button on Zoom. And so building in time for networking and saying, hey, I'm going to spend an hour a month just trying to like invest in this and mark it off on your calendar and recognize that there's value to that both for you and even for your company. So you don't need to feel shy about like the fact that you're doing that. It's an investment in yourself and your career. It's an investment in your ability to recruit great people, an investment in your ability to make yourself better so you can deliver better outcomes. Thank you so much. And what is one thing, if you could boil it down, that has been the most important in growing your career? Yeah, it's a really great and interesting question. I think it's really about staying curious. For me, it's easy to, as I was kind of describing, fall into a comfort zone or, you know, just develop something that you're good at and kind of just keep doing it. And I think that the idea of like, how do you stay curious? How do you learn more about either your own fields, adjacent fields, new industries? I think that's incredibly important because opportunity kind of arises when you least expect it. It's not going to be, you know, typically somebody kind of knocking on your door. It's going to be something, you know, that you discover a passion that you nurture that over time turns into something that is an opportunity, right? And so I'd say remaining open, continuing to seek out learning and development opportunities, that is how you ultimately get better and have that opportunity to keep kind of growing your scope and impact. Thank you so much. Just one more question. Why product marketing? Yeah, I kind of touched on with the design thinking piece. I love... The, I, I love human-centered design and the idea of deeply understanding the need state and kind of the desires and ambitions and aspirations of, of the people around us. And the idea of being able to take it that in and use creativity and analysis and technology um, as kind of ingredients in this, in this you know, stew of, of kind of generative thinking to come out on the other end with a really delightful product that addresses the need that those folks had. And then, and then kind of to tell that story about who you made it for, why you made it and how it can really change someone's life for the better. And so it's that kind of process of um, starting with the user, applying creativity and really deep analytical thinking to come out the other end with something delightful. And um, that to me is, is the joy and the privilege of product marketing. Because when we do our job right, we're really understanding the user being the voice of the user with product, understanding product being the voice of the product with the user, and in doing so, helping people discover things that you know bring them joy, add utility, and, and again, hopefully um, improve their lives. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been such a pleasure having you on today. I think everyone listening learned so much about design thinking and growing their career. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been great. Really, really loved it. Now a word from our partners at Clue. Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where. 
Clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards. In a pinch, sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal. And with Clue, it's not just sales teams who want battle cards. The product team, customer success, and marketing, they all compete too. Now, everyone can compete to win. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. For all of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head on over to clue.com slash Mary. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash Mary and tell them that I sent you. They'll set you up with some free resources like the Guide to Competitive Intelligence. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Next week, I meet with Trisha Gelman, the CMO at Drift. Thank you for all of your support and catch you next week.